Hello, my name is Alan Hoffman, and this is the Rural Education Podcast, and finally, we are at episode 5. It's been a long time, and I do apologize for that. I had high hopes uh, when I started this podcast of doing one every two weeks and, and really getting a good conversation going, but then April happened. Uh, if you're not in education, uh, the end of the year is crazy, um, just so you know. The end of the year is a madhouse. Honestly, I think I went over this in a, in a previous podcast. April, uh, except for Sundays, something was happening just about every day. Uh, after school, there was an event, there was a banquet, there was a concert, there was a track meet, there was something. There were meetings going on as we're trying to wrap up the end of the year. May is just as crazy, and that's why I've been away for a while. And then it's summer, so who knows? <laughs> um, we'll, but I, I did want to uh, to come back to the podcast um, because this is this episode, episode five. Uh, I'm going to talk about kind of why I really thought uh, I should start this podcast. Um, I wanted to start a conversation amongst rural educators, uh, and some have have tweeted at me and, and like me on Facebook, and this is fun. I think we're starting to build something here. But this episode, what I want to talk about is why people should come to rural schools and, and teach. I think they're a great place to begin a career. I could see it being a place where you can come to sort of reinvent your career, so to speak. Uh, maybe something at a big school is just not working for you. And before you decide uh, to throw away education altogether, rural schools might be a really good uh, a place for you to look. But I do want to say that I know it's also very intimidating to come out to a rural school. Uh, you know, if you're in, you know, in my example, I was in Bozeman at Montana State University. I was there for three years. Uh, many education majors will be at their institutions for four or five years. And you just, you begin to really appreciate uh, the city that you're in, what it has to offer, even if it's just a small college town, especially if it's a small college town, it's your town. Uh, you know all the places to go to eat. You know um, there's always you know that fun lecturer that's going to come in and talk. Uh, there's a museum. There's art galleries. There's stuff going on every weekend. You know, there's never a shortage of things to do. And then you come to a place, like in my example, I come out to Savage, Montana to be the English teacher, and there's not a grocery store in town. I have to drive 20 miles to go get groceries. It's intimidating. I get it. It's scary. And I know a lot of the classmates that I had, the peers that I had at Montana State, they didn't want to come to a rural school. It wasn't for them. But I also think that some of them dismissed it a little bit out of hand. And I know this is something that uh, at least the, the English education aspect of MSU was working on. I had two of my old professors come up and they interviewed me. They're doing some research about English education in rural schools. And this is one of the things that they talked about. Is they want to make rural schools more accessible uh, for their teachers in training. And so I thought I would maybe do my part. Uh, I hope uh, people that are looking for jobs, I know it's it's late May getting into June, and there's a lot of job openings. If you go onto the Montana OPI website, there's a lot of job openings. Uh, I know my school is looking for an ag or shop teacher as well as a business teacher. I know that some of the schools in the area are then small schools in the area are still looking for things like English and math and history, those core subjects um, that they really, really need to put someone into. So it's not too late to get a job if you are fretting about that. Uh, but you might be looking you might want to look at 
small schools. Uh, and I, I have a list of five reasons why I think that small schools are the way to go. I'm going to try to keep this broad. I just finished up my first year of teaching. And I don't want to pretend that my experience is, you know, universal. So I'm going to try to keep things as broad as I can when I go through my list here. I will obviously talk about my experiences, but I wanted to kind of get across why I thought uh, small schools in general were a good place to go. And so the the first thing that I wanted to talk about was the class size. And I've talked about this before, and I think it is the number one benefit uh, to teaching at a small school. I know uh, down in Bozeman, they have, uh, they always seem to put student teachers into this class too. Uh, it's a combo class for, I believe it's the juniors, and they do American history and American literature together, and they put, it is a block schedule, and they have 50 kids in the room uh, at a time. And it's not unusual to hear about class sizes of 20, 25, 30 kids. And if you get into our really urban environments, you know, those class sizes aren't unusual. My largest class this year was 11 kids. My entire high school was about 33 students, I believe. Uh, we couldn't have filled up that combo class at, at Bozeman with our entire high school, and I think even our junior high, too. We wouldn't have gotten to those 50 kids. Most of my class sizes are between seven and nine students. I do have a class, I did have a class of four, and I did have a class of five. Uh, looking down um, the elementary school ranks, there's a lot of, there is, it seems to alternate every year between seven and ten. Uh, we do have a large kindergarten class of 20, um, but that's still not huge. That's still not a big big number. Uh, and I think that the smaller class sizes, for me as an English teacher, I really like it because I give a lot of feedback on writing. And I like, I like to have the kids do a rough draft of their writing, and I like to give them feedback. And I like to give them feedback that they can actually use, you know, deeper than, this is good, oh, it needs a little bit of revising. What in particular? I try to get really specific with them. And I go through this process, and I think, how could I do this if my class size were doubled, if it were tripled? Uh, you know, if I had, instead of nine seniors and I was reading nine six to ten page research papers, what if I was reading 25 of these? That would take me forever. I couldn't give them feedback. I mean, I, there's probably a way to do it, but it'd be a lot of work. And... I think, you know, eventually I'll probably come up with a system and it won't take me quite as long. But if you're just getting into the teaching profession and you're really looking at a way to, you know, figure things out, maybe a smaller class size is something that you can really handle. It's a great place to start. Maybe eventually you want to get into a larger school, but why not start? Why not learn your craft with a smaller class size? I think that's been a really big advantage to me. One of the things that I've noticed this year is I don't have a lot of discipline issues. You know, because a kid isn't going to be out of, he's not going to be tucked away in the corner. And you almost have to kind of pay attention to him if he starts acting out. But if he's acting out, you can address it right there, you know, and you move on. You don't have to make a big deal about it. And you're also not going to know you can stay on him or her. Uh, and and 
it doesn't have to devolve into a big issue. I think I gave out five detentions all year long. And I think that's really because of the small class sizes. It's something where you can you can have a conversation with a kid. You don't have to make it a big deal. You're not just trying to get them out of the learning environment for the sake of everyone else. You can more or less move on. And once you get into your upper classes, the students know this. They know what's expected of them. And they're, for the most part, going to be on board with it. I didn't really have a lot of discipline issues this year, and I thought, and I really felt like I could focus on my teaching. I didn't have to worry so much about the class management side of things. Uh, and maybe if I go to a larger school, I'll have a bit of a learning curve. But to me, I think the most important thing as educators is not classroom control. It's not classroom management. It's what are we teaching our students to do. And I think in a small classroom setting where you can really take the time and you can focus on what each individual student needs, that's going to be beneficial. This leads into point number two. You can make better connections with students. Uh, you know, when I only have a class of 11, when we're writing, I can go around, I can check in with each and every student and ask them, you know, how's your draft going? You know, what's going on with, you know, your writing? But I can also, you know, I get to know them on an individual basis i kind of i have an idea of the things that are going on at home i know what they're interested in i can kind of you know read them a little bit better they're not just a face in the crowd to me they're not just another's cog in the wheel and i'm not saying that that's how educators at larger schools feel or have to feel but i do feel that you know when you have you know, as I said, not even 50 students, 7 through 12, you can foster a deeper connection with each one of them um, than you would if you were going through 25 in a classroom. You can really pick out, you know, the things that are going on in their writing. You can, you know, you can notice and address it if something is off. Uh, you can just force that connection. And the students, you know, they pick up on that. They relate to that a little bit too. And I think that ties into why there's not as many uh, discipline problems um, because you can have that connection with the student. They know what's going on uh, with you and you know what's going on with them. And everyone can kind of work together. I think that's something that you can really achieve at a small school. And again, it's a good way to, to get your start. You come out to the small school you take a look at, um, you know, you learn your curriculum, you learn how to connect with students, and then you, know, you kind of get that ground floor for as you, uh, as you go forward in your, your teaching career. Uh, the third thing that I had on my list was you can take on a role in the community. I kind of wanted to step away from the school setting for just a little bit, because when you're in a small school, like I am, the school is the focus of the town. It's probably the largest employer of the town, uh, you know, providing 20 to 25 jobs. Uh, you know, I'm in a town of 300. That's a lot of jobs for this town. And you can, and you can become, you know, a, a, a fixture, a leader in the community. You can, you know, you're not just another person walking down the street. People know who you are. People will talk to you. I've had impromptu parent-teacher conferences in the convenience store that we have in town. 
uh, and that to me is a is it's fun. Uh, you become a, a face for the school, and people can respond to that. And you know, just by showing up to things, you know, you go to church functions, you go to you know rallies, you go to you know events, and people will be like, "Hey, do you want to join this group?" And you can become you know you can take kind of a leadership role in a town if you want or just help out in the town uh, and you're not going to be you know put on the the bottom of the totem pole because they need everyone they need all hands on deck uh, for their projects that they're working on and i just think that's fun i think that's really cool i think it's a way for you to get involved in the community and and be visible about it and you know you're not necessarily having to just pass out flyers or something like that you can take a very active role uh, in in helping out the community in in the ways that you know you see fit or or others see fit. I know one of the things that I did, one of the first things that I did when uh, I moved to Savage was I took part in the playground renovations here. And obviously that was a school event, but it's also a community event too because you know this playground is where students are going to play, uh, and so it was it was fun to take part in that to kind of renovate that playground to make it a really fun space for the kids and the community comes together and they see that you're out there they see that you care about not just you know your job and teaching english or math or whatever it is that you would teach but also that you're you're invested in the community and i think it's just a really good way uh, to be visible that you might not otherwise have on the flip side of that um, in the school and this ties into reason number four then I think that rural schools are great, is that you have leadership chances within the school. Uh, there will always be opportunities for you to step up. I did an earlier podcast about the number of different hats that you might wear, and I talked about that basically by standing in the right place at the right time, I got to coach elementary basketball this year, and that was a lot of fun. I will take over kind of being the point person for Missoula Children's Theater next year. I will get to run a National Honor Society next year. And that's very exciting for me. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, within our teachers' union, I was here a year and I volunteered to be secretary for next year. So I have a leadership role in in that aspect of things. You know, you can really take the point on, hey, I want to do, you know, some cross-curriculum stuff. And you can step up to the plate and do that. Uh, when it's a, you know, a faculty of, I believe we have a faculty of like 12, any suggestion is welcome at faculty meetings about how we do this. And you can put in your input. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait your turn. There's no politics behind it that you might see at, at larger schools. And some of the my friends that have taught at larger schools have talked to me about you know, those kind of instances. You can have an impact right away. Um, you can be a leader in a, a small school and you can step up to the plate because, to be honest, a, a small school needs people to stand up uh, and take charge of situations. And so if you see yourself as someone who would like to be a leader, would like to take charge of you know, a situation, would really like to see improvements of where they work, a small school is a place where you can jump right in and do that. And I know that can be intimidating. You know, there's, I know there were a couple of times this year that I was like, well, what do I know? I'm a first year teacher. But then I thought about, I was like, well, you know, I can only put my ideas out there. Maybe they work, maybe they don't. But this is what I want to do. This is what I think we should do. And people will listen to you. 
and partly because there's no one else to listen to, <laughs> but your ideas are out there. You can take that leadership role. And I think that's something that, at least for me, was very appealing. And this ties in to my fifth reason. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. I like to tell stories on the podcast. You know that if you've listened to the first four. Um, but I'm going to tell a little story about when I was offered the job here in Savage. Um, I was offered the job, I believe it was like on a Wednesday night. I got a call uh, and was not expecting the call at all. And was offered the job. And I thought, well, this is great, but I need to talk it over. And the reason why I needed to talk it over and didn't just jump at it right away was because two days from then, I was scheduled to go up to Glendive, uh, which is a town about 30 miles south of Savage, for an interview uh, for a high school position uh, there. So I was I was going to go up to Glendive for that job interview, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to, to do. And Savage said they wanted a, an answer relatively soon, which I don't blame them for at all. And so I... He said, well, let me talk it over with my wife, and, uh, you know, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I called everybody. I called my parents, I called my brother, uh, and I called my sister. I called friends, too, but my sister was the one who, who put it to me this way. She said, well, in Savage, what would that be like? And I said, well, I would be the English department. You know, I would teach 7 through 12. Later, I got the 6th graders, too, because why not? I would be the guy. And, well, what about down in Glendive? And I said, well, I'd probably be part of an English staff. And she said, well, you, you've you never liked it when people tell you what to do. Go to Savage. <laughs> you, that seems more like reality. You can do what you want. And I found that to be absolutely true. And that was one of the, to be honest, that was one of the main deciding factors in why I decided to come to uh, savage and come to that smaller environment was because I was going to be the guy. Th does that have its downsides every now and again? Yes, it does. So there are a lot of times that I wish there were another English teacher in the building that I could go to and say, hey, how should I do this? Or I'm having trouble with this. But I have really appreciated the fact that I'm allowed to teach how I feel I should be able to teach. I don't have to make sure that I'm keeping up with the English class across the hall because there is none. I don't have to worry about if they're getting the same standard of education as they would from Mrs. Jones, because there is no Mrs. Jones. I'm the English teacher. And yes, there's a lot of pressure with that, especially with, you know, English being one of those big core subjects. But I also think, you know, I can figure out, if I can figure out how to teach English correctly and make it really meaningful for these kids and really almost kind of individualize their English education for them, then they're going to get so much more out of that than if, you know, we have to follow a curriculum map or we have to, you know, do things by the book. You know, maybe I don't want to read that book this year. You know, I one of the things that I told my superintendent was, you know, senior English is typically British literature. And I like British literature. I do. I love Beowulf. And, you know, I think that Shakespeare is great. Uh, and, you know, I think British lit has a lot to offer. But I don't think seniors in high school are really gung-ho about it. And I think there are better texts that we can do to get them to think about the world that they're about to step into. And so, and when I said this, she was so happy 
that I kind of wanted to pursue this. And so next year we're going to try something new and we're going to revamp senior English. That doesn't happen at the AA schools in Montana. I don't think someone comes in and after year one says, you know what, I want to do something completely different with senior English. That doesn't happen, but it does or it can happen in small schools. You just, you have that level of control. You know, if you think your students need a few extra days to work on an essay, you can give it to them. You don't have to keep up with, again, you don't have to keep up with that English teacher across the hall. You don't have to, you know, make sure you're going to get to a certain point. Your only firm deadlines are the ends of quarters. And I think that can be really really beneficial, especially as a first-year teacher, you know, you think, you know, like, eh, I'm not quite, this isn't connecting quite yet with me. Let's change it. Let's extend deadlines. Let's change it up. You have that ability to do that. If you go to a small school, you're able to have that flexibility, or at least I have been able to have that flexibility, and you can teach what you think is going to work. And as a result, I've you know, I've actually kind of revamped, as my superintendent told me, I have to make it my own, and I've kind of done that. Um, we're going to start to do that. I'm getting more classroom novel sets in, and, and I'm, we're going to figure out how to best teach English to our students here in Savage. And not just so they have the basics of reading and writing down, but so they're prepared for when they go out into the real world. And to me, that is the, the biggest thing. And I think at a small school where I can, and there's all, you know, I always say everything is connected to everything. It's the smaller class sizes. I can figure out what's going to work for this student and this student. And I can more or less individualize their education. You know, differentiation is one of those big buzzwords in education. We're supposed to differentiate for all of our students. I can do that at a small school. I don't, I can really give, you know, them individualized feedback. I know this student really needs me to push them in this way. You know, maybe they they really need reminders that they need to stay on task, whereas this student needs a lot of work with their grammar, and I can give that to them. These are the kinds of things that really can benefit not only the students, but as I said, as a first-year teacher, I think it's a great environment to get into. And to have the opportunity that I've had to make it my own uh, is great. I'll leave you with one more story. I We got out of school. Um, our last day was May 19th or May 20th. That was our last day of school. And my wife had to go a week longer than I did. And so she was not very happy with me. Uh, but... She'll get over it. <laughs> um, but I have a friend who's out in Washington, and they go to June. Uh, they go into, like, almost mid-June, I think. And he he told me that he hates me. He told me that flat out he hates me right now because I am done. And he said, yeah, but, you know, come August, when you're when you go back, you know, I'll make fun of you then. And I said, yeah, well, my class sizes will still be a lot smaller than yours. He teaches at a, at a big school. And to me, that's that's what I'm going for. I personally feel like I have found a good niche out here in, in smaller schools with my small class sizes. I have that opportunity to be a leader in the community and in the school. I can make those connections with my students. And, you know, I have departmental control. I am the department head. 
And while that can be scary and intimidating at times, I think the benefits um, really, really outweigh some of the drawbacks. Uh, so if you are out there and you're looking for a teaching job and it's getting into June and maybe you're starting to get a little bit frantic, maybe take a look at smaller schools. Uh, consider it an adventure. It's a great place to get a start and who knows, you might might really, really enjoy it. Um, I'd really love to hear your thoughts as well on this. Uh, so remember, uh, you can tweet at me. I'm a big Twitter uh, person. You can tweet me at Rural Ed Podcast, um, or you can tweet me up at uh, my personal uh, Twitter feed. That is at Alan Hoffman, A-L-A-N-H-O-F-F-M-A-N-N. You can also email me. Uh, that address is ruraledpodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. Go ahead and give us some likes. Uh, that address is facebook.com slash ruraledpodcast. And then, of course, you could always leave a comment on the blog. That is ruraledpodcast.blogspot.com. You might have sensed a theme there with all of those handles. Um, basically, just go for Rural Ed Podcast on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Gmail, and you will find me. I really hope to uh, hear from you. What are some of, if maybe if you teach at a rural school, what are the biggest uh, advantages uh, to being at a smaller school? Uh, do you agree with what I said? Do you not agree with what I said? Would you like to add to the conversation? I'm always looking for people to do that. Uh, and if you're thinking about going to a small school, uh, what are some of the questions that you have? I would love to answer them. So please do get back to me, get in touch with me then. And it is summer, so I'm not going to make any promises, but uh, I will hopefully talk to you uh, really soon. This has been Episode 5 of the Rural Education Podcast. I'm Alan Hoffman, wishing you a great day.